The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Welcome, my darlings. I hope you're managing your joy right now. There's a lot that's up in the world, a lot of low vibration frequencies being stirred up. And I know that I tend to attract empaths to my work. So I'm going to make the leap and assume that my listener base for this podcast also consists of a few empaths. And darlings, it is not an easy time to be us. The world has been vibrationally sacked for a while now, sacked by COVID, by some necessary and heartbreaking cultural movements, and now by horrific world events that are still currently unfolding. It is definitely out there in the macrocosm, and for many of us, we're feeling it in our own little microcosms right now too, myself included. And it's easy to feel powerless in the face of it all. So I just feel called to remind you, I just want you to understand if you had any idea how absolutely enormously powerful your own individual energy output is, you would never feel powerless again. Spiritual leaders have always told us the very best thing you can do to bring more light to the world is to turn up the light within yourself. And I know that you already embrace this wisdom because you're here and that means you're part of this tribe where we've made the decision to deliberately elevate our vibrations together. We all recognize that we have that power and that it's ultimately within our control to do that. And we're actually driven and compelled to do that for reasons beyond our individual selves. And I know that viewed through a certain lens, it could seem like a luxury to focus on joy during these times. I get that. I want you to want it just for you to love yourself that much. But I know a lot of us suffer from conditioning that says it's selfish to think about our own happiness, especially when others are suffering. And that's why I want you to additionally understand that your vibration affects every person you encounter throughout your day in large ways and minuscule ways, in person and online, through everything from Zooms to texts to social media posts. And you really have no way to measure how much impact your vibration is gonna have on another person. 
Because the fact is we are all vibrationally sensitive to the energy of those we encounter, but just to varying extents, right? So whether or not you identify as an empath, you are absorbing frequencies from those around you all day long, and they're absorbing yours too. An empath is someone who's more vibrationally sensitive than the average bear, someone who's more likely to be strongly affected by the energetic output of others. And this could be the case for your nearest and dearest. It could be the case for the checkout clerk you interact with at the drugstore or the guy who steps into the elevator you're on. But every person is an energetic entity and energy affects energy. And then it just ripples out from there endlessly. This is just simply what we scientifically know at this point in our human evolution. That's why there's no clearer energetic truth than if you want to change the world, you must start by changing you. As within, so without. You are the microcosm affecting the macrocosm in every moment, in every way. Your joy is needed on the planet right now more than ever. I'm giving a free workshop on this topic at the Institute for Creative Living on March 30th. And you can sign up for that at my website, lisamacourt.com. It's free, so don't hesitate. I would love to interact with you there because this is such an important topic right now. It's really an all hands on deck kind of situation. My love bugs, it's our nature to want happiness. All people across the world since the start of time have wanted this. So why, why would that be? From all of my spiritual training over many decades now, the unanimous answer embedded in every ancient tradition, backed even by contemporary science now, is that we humans crave joy and inner peace because it's who we are. It's our most natural state. Doesn't feel that way all the time. But the high vibration frequency of joy and love is the truest reflection of what makes us human that energetic charge that animates our form and gives us what we call life, that part of us that animates the flesh and bones of our meat sacks. Throughout human history, we've craved a consistent experience of joy and love because we instinctively know it's our birthright. We want that homecoming to who we are. But in spite of the fact that we've craved it since the beginning of time, most of us on the planet today are still far removed from that being our consistent experience of life. So why would that be? Particularly here in our advanced Western societies, we have more conveniences, benefits, more ease and abundance than we've ever had before. For the most part, thanks to scientific advancement and human ingenuity, life gets easier and easier with each generation. And even culturally, from a norms of society standpoint, I'd argue that we've increased our capacity overall for acceptance and compassion and other high consciousness tendencies. So why haven't we, on the whole, been getting happier and happier? I recently saw a statistic that said one out of four women in North America is on antidepressants. Think of all the women you know, a quarter of them, feels the need to take a pill just to maintain a baseline satisfactory feeling to allow them to move forward with their lives. How can this be in spite of all that we have going for us? 
I feel like bringing our attention to that question is important for creating those openings that allow for perceptual shifts to take place. I want you to feel the urgency around raising your vibration. For you, for them, for the world, you really are that critical. Bruce Lipton likens humanity to a single human body. He's got tons of fascinating research about this. So each of us persons, he says, is like a cell in the body, if the body is all of humanity. For the body to function, there have to be enough basically healthy cells, even if some are not so healthy. Let's say healthy equals high vibration, unhealthy equals low vibration. So for humanity to function, there have to be more healthy cells than not. An unhealthy cell, we could call it a cancer cell, cancer cells have very low vibrational frequency, is going to naturally drag down the health of the entire organism. The more cancer cells, the more sick the organism becomes. The more extra healthy cells, the more the organism's gonna thrive naturally. The vibratory frequency of cells is measurable in terms of contraction and expansion and contribution to the overall life force. And every individual human body contains a mix of healthy and unhealthy cells. So recognizing that you're a cell in this collective body of humanity and seeing how critical your contribution is to the world right now, and by your contribution, I mean the energy you put out, not your actual physical health, it's about your state of consciousness. Does this inspire you to put some attention and focus on raising your personal vibration? We're all of us always works in progress. We're all here because we've recognized that we want to vibrate higher. Wherever we're currently vibrating, even if it's already way above average, because I know that's the case for many of my listeners, we've clued into the energetic truth that up-leveling our vibration up-levels every tiny aspect of our lives. And it's what we're here for. It's really what we're here to do. Removing all those barriers we've built to living as our truest, clearest, high-vibe selves. That's why we're here. And as I've explained before, it comes down, my darlings, to an impossibly simple truth. Where we're vibrating is all about our beliefs and our habits. We change our beliefs by canceling our subscriptions to the beliefs that don't serve our greatest good and our highest joy and subscribing instead to better beliefs. And that's where habit comes in. I'm going to assume that you've listened to this podcast before and you've heard me talk about bucket beliefs. Hopefully you're clear on how we got these erroneous beliefs in our filters and why all of our negative beliefs about ourselves are based in bullcrap. Even if there's evidence we can point to that shores them up, we all understand that it was the beliefs that created the evidence, right? Not the other way around. If that doesn't make sense to you, I apologize. You might need to go back and listen to a few of the early episodes of this podcast. Okay, so assuming our rational minds are on board, we have the brain perspective that we need to simply subscribe to new, truer beliefs. The only thing still pulling us toward the old bullshit beliefs is habit. Raise your hand if you talk to yourself in your mind. We do it all day long, every one of us. Brain researchers tell us that the average person has 60,000 thoughts a day, 
and the percentage of today's thoughts that are the same as yesterday's and the day before's thoughts is 95%. And for the average person, 80% of those are negative thoughts. We've talked about the reasons for that, so I won't go into negativity bias again now and all those other human biases that hijack our minds. But basically, those biases developed evolutionarily to keep us safe. We no longer require them for our safety, but we haven't evolved as human animals enough yet for them to have disappeared. Some of us have to a greater extent than others, but the majority of people are still run very much by fear. It comes down to the old Teflon versus Velcro thing. Out of all those thoughts that we think, we tend to Velcro the negative ones and let the positive ones slide right off us like Teflon. Raising your vibration is a matter of intentionally turning this equation around. Only when you're aware of it can you do something about it. You want to start intentionally Velcroing the good thoughts, the thoughts of hope and solutions, and learn to Teflon the totally unproductive, relentless thoughts of despair and fear and hopelessness. They're simply ineffective. We can't afford to wallow in them anymore. Anything you do to raise your vibration is a gift to the world. That's not a dramatic statement. It's just solid fact. Whether it's listening to this podcast, joining Joy School's Oasis community, reading soul-nourishing books, intentionally surrounding yourself with high-vibe individuals, maybe for you it's spending time in nature, volunteering your time, energy, or money in ways that feel meaningful to you. There are countless ways to raise your vibration and countless reasons for you to prioritize doing that. Changing long-standing habits is never an easy feat, but it's always a matter of replacing the old habit with a new, better habit. That's what we do in Joy School week after week, and that's what I've invited my guest this week to talk to you about. She's a psychotherapist who addresses a lot of the things that we talk about here, how we're all carrying around beliefs that we created in our formative years that aren't serving us. She uses a Carl Jung framework that you've heard me talk about, and just really brilliantly addresses that intersection between psychology and spirituality that I know y'all come to this podcast for. What makes her a little different from most of my guests is she's going to tell us about a really fascinating little-known aspect of astrology and how that ties into all that work that I just mentioned. I'm going to let her explain that to you. She is the author of The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness, endorsed by His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama. I'm excited to share with y'all my really fascinating guest this week. Lisa Tahir is an author, psychotherapist, podcast host, artist, and founder of Psycho Astrology, which she's going to tell us about. Welcome, Lisa. Lisa, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's awesome to be here with you. Ah, wonderful to be with you. Now, I know that your methodologies address core wounding. And we work with core wounding in joy school. I know it's a topic of interest to my listeners. So I'd love for you to start by just defining that, sharing your insights about what it means to have these core wounds. 
I will. And I really like this starting point, Lisa, because I see core wounding on a spectrum. And that spectrum is core wounding being the deepest wounds that are sourced from issues like abandonment, childhood trauma and abuse, and moving up the spectrum to and including areas of vulnerability that we have where we might not have experienced some of those deeper traumas earlier in our childhoods, but nonetheless, everyone at some time or another has a concern around, am I good enough? Like, how am I doing in life and with myself? And so this might be an area of vulnerability in your self-esteem and your sense of well-being, and that moves along the spectrum in between vulnerability and core wounding. And as we start to heal, ourselves we move up that spectrum it's like a stereo and you turn the volume down on your pain level on your self-doubt on your fear on your confusion it just turns down lower and lower and lower to where it's barely audible anymore except for those moments where we are triggered which is part of being a human being and i find that when we start to heal these wounds and these vulnerabilities that we start to recover more quickly and respond differently to things that have triggered us in the past. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely. This dovetails so beautifully with the work that I do with my clients and in my joy school. And we always talk about trauma too, that it's not always the biggies, those ones that we all know are going to leave a traumatic imprint. It can be something that seems so insignificant, but trauma is about the emotional experience that you have, not necessarily the event that brings it on, right? Yeah, it, it definitely is about how the event affects you, which is the takeaway, the meanings that you make, the belief you develop about yourself and about life from these experiences. That's what tends to ripple out into our lives. And that's what I, I call the Chiron effect. Chiron being this minor planet slash comet in your birth chart, in your astrological birth chart. And Chiron is in a sign of the zodiac, like Aries, Gemini, Pisces, Scorpio, just like your sun sign is, but it's different than when people ask you what your sign are is, and you probably know immediately. Chiron, you have to dig a little bit. It is based upon your date of birth, your place of birth, and if you have it, your time of birth, though that's not necessary, and once you come to understand where Chiron is in your birth chart, this speaks to those patterns, those ripple out effects that experiences have upon you. And I found, Lisa, it helps to have an understanding of that because you can support yourself in those areas of vulnerability and, and start to change the way you respond to things that happen in your life. Does that make sense? It's fascinating to me. I've never, um, you know, astrology's never really been my jam. I know a lot of my listeners are, are very much into astrology. I have friends who make a living with ast astrology. Um, I guess to me, I, I, I'm so intrigued by this idea that, yes, I get we all have vulnerabilities. And to me, that is a direct result of our experiences. Once we've arrived here, the meaning that we make of things, the stories that we create around the, the things that we get imprinted upon us in our early years. And you're saying that there's this other influence that might even be stronger than that, that's astrological? Well, they all work together. And just to lay a foundation, I see astrology as a beautiful map 
it's a blueprint of where the planets and stars and other heavenly bodies were in the sky when you were born specifically on that date in that place and at that time and it's like a snapshot of of those of that map and each placement each planet in your astrological chart speaks to a propensity speaks to certain proclivities that you have in your life to live into or not because we all have free will and so regardless of what sign you're born under that speaks to a set of potential patterns for you but we have the choice to learn especially now in this information age where information is so accessible online that you can get tools to really help yourself move beyond any type of limitation that your birth chart might might say is there and so chiron is just like your sun sign your rising sign your moon chiron speaks to particularly one of 12 areas of vulnerability slash core wounding these are things like to make it practical chiron and aries if your chiron is in the sign of aries this speaks to a vulnerability and your sense of value and worth to where you might be outwardly successful but inwardly you feel like you're never enough and it's like this endless performance wheel of success, like achievements, but secretly, and it's not obvious to anyone on the outside, you feel like you're just never enough. And you can imagine how exhausting that is because people think you're awesome. Like they think you're like the greatest thing, but unless you feel like you're the greatest thing, it doesn't have much traction and it can cause low self-esteem. That's not obvious to others. Is that an example that's, that's making sense? Absolutely. I feel like that's the case for so many of my, my joy schoolers. I can't imagine, you know, are, are the other signs similar in those core feelings of unworthiness? Because to me, that just seems so prevalent that, that we all just have these core feelings. I think it's about misconceptions in our early years when we're forming our definitions about how life is and the world here and the way that we parent always wanting to make our kids better, thinking that that's helping them and that's the way to love them. I feel like there's just so much messaging in our really formative years that, that you're not enough, you're not worthy, unless you hit this next marker and this next marker marker and then we carry that with us are a lot of them of a similar vein or is it only if your Chiron is an Aries that you get that impression well they all have slightly different manifestations that speak to things that we experience in life and for example Chiron in the sign of Taurus speaks to a wounding or vulnerability by neglect Chiron in the sign of cancer speaks to core wounding or vulnerability by abandonment Chiron in Leo speaks to a wounding and vulnerability in the area of, of creativity, where you feel really cut off from your source of creativity, though you're able to really help people harness theirs. It's like you, you don't allow yourself to really live into yours. And so for every placement of Chiron, there are 12, just like there are 12 zodiac signs. I offer you practical takeaway steps. There are five or six of them that you can start today to shift those patterns, as well as affirmations that you can work with with your mindset, with the things you tell yourself that are true about yourself. And what I learned, Lisa, is we can only go as far as our largest limiting belief. Yeah. And that's a little different way to look at things because we're taught to like, you know, go for it all. And, and we think we are, 
unless we don't believe, you know, we can go this far, but not there. And it's often based upon what's practical, what looks realistic. And so by going through my book from the first page, I really help you set the stage to understand what you really want out of this life. Who are you living for? And whose, you know, beliefs about what's true for you have you picked up either intentionally or unintentionally? And looking at, do you want to keep those beliefs or do you want to release them and adopt new ones so that you can really live this life in the ways that bring you meaning and value, success, happiness, joy. And for some of you, it might be allowing yourself more, you know, like to to really go beyond where you are. And for others, it might be like, hey, I'm doing awesome. I need to ease back on these judgments and criticisms. I'm actually doing awesome and I need to just praise myself some more and maybe do less and allow life to come to me more and finding pleasurable things to go for walks to maybe read instead of always working you know the the type a personality is who I'm speaking to and in that way and so it, it's it's different for everyone but there's I think you know little tweaks that we can make in our thought habits to really allow more enjoyment in, Lisa? Yeah, hallelujah, self-love stuff, we love that. (laughs) That's beautiful, I'm curious. So I know you're a psychotherapist and obviously you have this deep uh, love of astrology, interest in astrology, knowledge about it. How did that come together for you? At some point you just realized that, hey, these two things need to be married in my purpose and my career. You know, it it progressively came to me, Lisa, since I have been a licensed therapist for over 20 years, that's been my wheelhouse. And in my own personal development, and especially in the last five years, adopting meditation as as just like a mainstay, like a cornerstone of my practice every morning, getting up and taking even a few minutes before I look at my phone calls text emails just to sit say thank you for this new day closing my eyes taking some deep breaths and just asking to align with the energy of the universe available to help me to help all of us with everything that today brings i ask to be happy and share happiness and from that practice it's where i kind of heard when i've been when I was asking, like I've been wanting to write a book for years and like many of you listening, you might even have some notes or notebooks of all these ideas like I did of what to write about, but it wasn't until I heard in meditation this word Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, and I didn't know what that was besides a reference from grad school to Carl Jung and his work with the collective unconscious and Chiron being this archetypal wounded healer And I was like, okay, that's really not that exciting to me. But as I kept feeling prodded by the universe, as some of you listening might know that feeling, something keeps coming up. You keep hearing it on the radio. It keeps coming up in conversation. Somehow the universe really wants to get your attention about something because it's bringing you to where you've been asking to go. And that's how this was for me, Lisa. This Chiron thing led me to start researching and realizing that this patterning goes back 
to Sigmund Freud in 1914, where he spoke about the repetition compulsion. And that is a pattern of relationships that are established in our childhood based upon the relationship we had with our caretakers. And we tend to mimic and replicate those repetitively in our adult lives. The object relationists spoke about it as well. And, and you know, relationship patterning, again, from this very early memory and experience of what it was like to grow up in our families and how we tend to just that's our orbit that's our frequency that's the people places and things we habituate again based upon our largest limiting belief instead of our our most expansive belief and so i started to write it took me almost four years of writing and research to develop this book astrology is the departure point to learn where your chiron is and the remediation and your healing is found through taking personal responsibility with psychology and spirituality and knowing that whatever has happened to you it might not have been your fault but now it's our responsibility and we can actually transform the things that have been the hardest into something really beautiful and empowering for us Oh, that's beautiful. I love this um, combining of your, your two worlds and your passions. And I wonder if you would just go back a little bit. You talked about your practice when the word Chiron kept coming to you. I always give my listeners a practice that they can take into their lives during the week between episodes. And um, I wonder if you could if, if you could break that down into something that they could maybe try to do some little entry point to hearing that, that voice of our intuition that I know everybody is so interested in sort of opening up that channel further. Do you have any little suggestions like that that they could do? I do, Lisa, and I think that's a really wonderful topic and and thing to explore in your own life. And I encourage you even right now, where, wherever you're listening, if you're able, if you're driving, you can do this later once you stop, but just to close your eyes and even put your phone on silent. Just kind of remove any distraction and close your eyes, put your hands over your heart, and just enjoy a couple of breaths in and out and then in again and just allowing the quiet to become present in your awareness and asking to open that inner vision, that inner sight within your heart space. And that's why putting your hands on your heart can be helpful. Just feeling into your own beautiful heart. This is the seat of love, of compassion, and it's where everything kind of starts and ends. And if there's an issue in your life that's been confusing, that you're uncertain around, just to ask, you know, ask to align, say, I'm, I intend to align with the solution to this issue, to this problem. I ask, for all the help and guidance needed to receive the solutions. And I'm just open. I'm open to life being easier for me. I'm opening to things flowing to me without so much effort. And I just am thankful for this time, for this moment. And I just allow all of the most wonderful things that I want to flow, to come in my life through myself and others and just kind of sealing yourself in this love, sealing yourself in this well-being 
and then getting back to your day and knowing that you have this place to access at any time, you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed or uncertain, just to take a moment. It can be in the bathroom, in the shower, doesn't have to be anything special. The universe is always reading our thoughts and our, our emotions and always here to love us. Like life is here to help us and to assist us and aid us and make things easier. And if we can even start to imagine that as a possibility, you know, just then start to notice what shows up for you. And I think, I think it's going to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. I did it while you were talking. I put my hands on my heart and I felt your energy as you led us through that. Okay, listeners, that is your home play this week. We got that taken care of. So Lisa, I just want to make sure I, I understand about the book. So can people who read your book figure out where their Chiron is from the book? Or is that something that they need to, to do separately with you and then apply the knowledge in the book to that? Does the book lead you through discovering where your Chiron is? It does. There's a chart in my book as well as an interactive website that uh, so you can do it either way. And yes, you get that with the book. And from page one, I really invite you into this process of self-discovery. I ask you to get a journal, to even light a candle and take, say, 20 minutes per reading session as I lead you through to excavate some of your own childhood memories and experiences of both where you felt love and connection and then times when you didn't and the meaning you made about yourself in in both of those scenarios. And I walk you through a process of really supporting and understanding yourself, applying that empathy and forgiveness towards yourself. We're often taught forgiveness is just for others, but first we need to really forgive ourselves for those layers of judgments and criticisms we've held when we haven't quite shown up in the way we most deeply desired, knowing it's okay. We have so many more opportunities to to try again and show up differently. And it starts with really showing up for yourself in some more loving and patient ways. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. I can't wait to dig in there. That's so resonant with the work that we do at Joy School. So the the core wounding you believe this is something that can be completely healed it's not going to come back it's something that we can just take care of well i wouldn't you know i i look at it differently i mean look at life you go through life and things kind of come back up but you're in a different place so say for instance i take like the loss of my grandparents who i was so close to when they transitioned when they passed away of course it was very sad and now it's been over 20 years and i feel like you know i feel them watching over me but i recently got this painting of my grandfather and it brought me to tears again and you know so it's just like life you know it's not i don't think that necessarily things just go away i mean i don't think that's very you know we're we're in such a process life is such a process and a journey and there's deeper levels of meaning and layers so i do know and believe there won't be that same high pain point of experience like earlier when i spoke about that stereo volume is on 10 like you're hurting you're grieving you're like distraught i know that can turn down just like the volume of a stereo nine eight seven six five one zero 
and then something might happen. You might get a painting of your, you know, deceased loved one or see a picture, for instance, or the person you were married to, they pop up on your social media after your divorce. I mean, we're humans. We're going to have emotion that's actually natural and healthy, and we're going to revisit some of those emotions. And in my book, Lisa, I even talk about emotional tears have three stress hormones that are released through emotional tears. These stress hormones are only released through emotional tears. And Dr. Fry discovered this in the 80s. So when we cry, it's not something to be suppressed. There's actual stress hormones being released in those tears that help us to heal. And so not to be afraid of your sadness or of your emotions. Our emotions invite us into deeper layers of communication with ourself there's information there so i think you will definitely be less triggered you'll be less upset by things but when you do come back to something that that triggers you which is just an unhealed energetic attachment that's kind of like a little landmine that mm -hmm. you step on that landmine might have used to kind of blow up your life but now it, it might be for like you know a few minutes you're like oh ouch you know, that reminds me of X, Y, and Z, but you're quickly able to recover and make more sense of that. Am I, am I resonating at absolutely, all? Absolutely, sweetheart. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Every word that was perfect answer. Thank you for that beautiful explanation of how that works. Lisa, how can listeners find you in your book? Yeah, I would love for listeners to uh, reach out my website is nolatherapy.com. It stands for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com. That's also my social media handle, Nola Therapy, on Instagram, on Facebook, and my YouTube channel. And my book is available everywhere. You can go into Barnes and Noble brick and mortars. You can order online through Barnes and Noble, Walmart.com, Amazon. And if you have a favorite local bookstore, you can ask them to carry it. Since I am published by a publisher, they can order that for you by either my name or title. And um, I would love for people to have my book and check out All Things Therapy podcast. I have 287 episodes now and just helping people understand their emotions in all kinds of ways, much like you're doing, Lisa. Oh, I love that. I'm definitely going to listen to your podcast, and I can't wait to read the book. I really appreciate your time with me today. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Lisa, and to all of your audience. I'm sending you so much love. Sending you so much love right back. Wasn't that fascinating? I feel so blessed to offer you so many diverse perspectives and ideas through these wonderful guests. Enjoy your home play practice this week, my loves, and don't forget to go to lisamccourt.com to claim your free spot in the free workshop on March 30th, right around the corner. Much, much love to you. Joy comes in many flavors, but they all start with you being full on glorious you. If you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey, Find me at lisamccourt.com. And as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. 
Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. I'll see you next week for Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Much love. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.